When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU recruiting fans by Sooners360.com. Each week, we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting news and provide opinions and evaluations on all things related to OU football recruiting. I'm Chris Mason, the lead recruiting analyst over at Sooners360.com. As always, I'm joined by my partner in crime, Caleb Cummings, the talent evaluator and opinion creator. This is episode 47, titled, Nigel Finally Gets the Big Stage. So, as always, we will begin with the latest in Sooner recruiting news. So, I think for the first time, Caleb, in like five weeks, maybe six weeks, we're not leading with a commitment. I don't think we had a, we've had a commitment since the last time we've recorded, which is like shocking, but it, it's true. So, uh, but we do get to move directly to talking about commitment watch and a commitment decision. And tomorrow night, before the uh, senior night at the new Melissa High School Stadium, the $33 million stadium, is that right, Caleb? Was it? It's around $30 million for a for high school. And it's a great-looking stadium. It, I, I think it looks better than Oregon State Stadium, the the Beavers, and, and maybe even Washington State Cougars Stadium that are, are – Pale in comparison to this facility. So well, either way, those two Nigel, programs, if those two programs don't look out, we'll be in the same league as Melissa and Allen uh, soon. <laughs> uh, or some Texas high school football programs are going to reform the Pac-12 and name yeah. it something else. I don't know. They're going to steal. They're going to steal the rights for that. So, all, all joking aside, Nigel has been set on this decision of nine eight. For months, that when I talked to him back in the spring, he told me this is when he was going to announce, and he's stuck to that completely. All signs, all predictions, and forecasts hint at OU. We know we know Nigel had a fantastic visit to OU Barbecue U weekend. OU was super confident, and nothing has really changed there. So uh, Nigel is right now a top one hundred defensive lineman. He's 6'5", about 265 is what he told me, and this was in the spring. So he, and he looks actually a little like he's maybe actually leaned up a little bit uh, based on some, some photos I've seen. So hopefully we get a chance to talk to him, talk a little bit about that. But Caleb, we, we tried to give Nigel a bunch of love a couple of weeks ago. So let's just, let's just recap. To me, Nigel's a fantastic looking defensive line prospect, 
at a minimum, he becomes a big defensive end for OU, uh, able to set the set the edge, rush the passer, kind of a power defensive end in the Frank Alexander kind of mold. Or he he gets to campus and he quickly becomes 6'5", 290, and with his uh, agility and burst, you you start playing him at, at defensive tackle, and he becomes uh, he becomes more like a three uh, he three technique, and becomes maybe maybe even a bigger, better player. Considering he would be um, he would give you a lot of flexibility, he could still be a big defensive end. But you know, just the thoughts of him maybe playing inside with David Stone is two you know near three hundred pound aggressive fast tackles. Uh, so it's sort of the higher upside. So Caleb, just give me your, just give her, just give Caleb, uh, Caleb, just give uh, Nigel a, a repeat of a of a little love. Yeah, love up, him love up on the kid a little bit. <laughs> uh, I see him really similar to what you do. I said this a lot. With you know, with how training is taken off and even nutrition, such a it's at such a younger age. Right? I think Nigel goes to some uh, sports performance places there in uh, yeah. North Dallas, Frisco area, and has been for a while. You know, that type of development, it makes it difficult. It makes it more difficult than it probably ever was uh, in, you know, years and decades previous to guess what's this kid going to grow into? What's he going to be? You know, to your point, is he going to turn into a six foot four, 290 pound three tech that can play five and, and, and can play some of that, you know, can hold an edge in, a, in an odd front and play, you know, uh, inside in an, in an even front? Or does he, you know, get to a college campus, just continue to lean up uh, and get in better shape? And is he just, you know, a six foot four, 275 pound, uh, you know, strong side defensive end? You know, I don't know. I do not know the answer to that. Uh, at first glance, where I think he'll be and what I think he'll grow into uh Maybe this is the best case. Is a little bit like you remember DeSoto uh, defensive end Shamar Turner, uh, yeah, yeah, signed with Texas A and M, and he, you know, really good player for Texas A and M. Uh, Shamar, around roughly, you know, where the difference there is, Shamar kind of he packed on a little muscle between his junior and senior high school. As we're to, you know, as you mentioned with with Nigel, he's leaned up a little bit, but I mean, I'll be honest with you. It's wild to think about previous years, maybe for a decade, if Oklahoma was going to sign a top 100 defensive lineman out of the Dallas area, that would have been the best defensive lineman they'd signed since, right. R, you know, RJ Washington, right? It's like, oh my God, we got, you know, we got a player, uh, and particularly for the kid that can play defensive tackle, it, it'd be a really big deal. So it's wild to see how quickly Brent has flipped this in terms of defensive recruiting, where you get PJ. You get David, right? You, you're trending for a guy like a Koye, you know, uh, and, and just now you're looking at a top 100 kid. You're like, oh, it'll be great to have him. It's like, no, uh, it, it'll be more than that because I do think with how way the game's played and Brent wants to be multiple, he, in a lot of ways, he is ideal for what Brent wants to do because he wants to be an up-the-field attacking defense. Uh, you know, he if, if Nigel is in that 6'4", 290 mold, that's exactly what he'll be. I think he'll be, I think he can be both those things. I think he can be a guy that plays that three technique and is uh, an interior pass rusher, which is where so much value comes from. 
right? Uh, and then is a guy that you have to be able, teams have to be able to do this. I know there's a lot of consternation between Oklahoma fans about, oh, don't run the 3-3-5, don't run the 3-3-5. I mean, honestly, like 3-3-5 is, is, is you know, 4-2-5. It, it's all the same thing if you have the personnel to do these things. And what so many teams are doing now is similar to what we saw with Grinch, but remove the slanting twists, stunts, and just guessing, right? Where it is, three guys their hands on the ground. The fourth guy is a stand-up edge that you can that can shoot to the flat. He can, you know, he can give you uh, some variety there. But in that alignment, you know, you need guys like Nigel Smith that can play effectively. That three is going to kick out to a four or a five, and he's athletic enough to hold the edge. He's athletic enough to, you know, to to pressure an offensive tackle to his inside shoulder and rush the passer. He's, uh, you know, as Oklahoma gets ready to go to the SEC, you need to be stacking guys like this every single year. So it's actually, to me, it's huge. I, I think he's got, uh, I mean, you know, I think Shamar Turner was maybe five-star, right? He was in that, he was in that he was, conversation. He was a fringe, but he's, fringe. he was a fringe. Yeah, I think he was like maybe top 50. He was close, maybe not consensus. Yeah. But at this point, yeah. he's outperforming the, at least last year, and obviously he has a year on those kids, but he's outperforming the five stars from the previous recruiting class. Uh, yeah. At least <laughs> on, on the field, on the field right now he is. So here's, here's an interesting, interesting thing about uh, about Nigel that I love. Right, I think one of the things like almost concerns I've had a little bit at times, and this isn't directly to him, but just guys that are of his body type that really look like you should play defensive tackle, but you want to play defensive end. So the question to me goes like, ah, are you a dog enough to play defensive tackle? Uh, start asking those questions. But when you watch him against uh, DeSoto last year and the big, every, everybody's talking about the kid went to TCU, that's 6'5", 455 pounds, yeah. right? You watch Nigel line up in front of him and he stones him with his hands, sheds him, and goes and makes a play, and that's kind of over and over in in the DeSoto versus Melissa tape. So he, uh, you know, he too he quick. Showed, he's too quick for him. He's too quick. Would for think, him. Not only was he too quick, the thing that really impressed me again was just his ability in you know, his strength so and, big. Yeah, yeah, you know, kid's so big. Maybe he had a difficult time getting his momentum going, but Nigel's ability to again, yeah, to show some strength and, and stone that guy before he can even get rolling. Well, that decision's coming up. Um, like I said, it should be on Instagram uh, live live stream, and it should be right before his game kicks. So we'll be tracking that. And if you're following me on Twitter at cm underscore sooners360, you'll know I'll be posting information all about that, all about Nigel's uh, commitment. And we're hoping that 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 comes through. Like I said, Nigel is a you know he's he's, he's ranked as high as eighty three in the nation, which is as which is as good as Neville Gallimore was. And he, that would make him like the highest defensive tackle for like four recruiting classes uh, in 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 the post uh, the post when when Jack you know between Jackie Ship and the end of when Jackie Ship started you know stopped recruiting and when uh, Todd Bates took over you know he would be other than Jordan Phillips as we you know as we struggled to find names in between um, David Stone and Jordan Phillips I mean. Nigel at number 83 would be like the top ranked defensive lineman, I think, for about five of those six classes uh, in between like 2010 and 2023. So he would be the best yeah. best guy. So yeah. to, to think oh. that he may be the third, the third or fourth guy in the class on the D line is is kind of funny. 
I mean, kind of close out that like the thing with him for me is kids that are six, four and a half and 270 pounds with his body type, right? That move that are as athletic as he is because he is, he's got great body control ethic, really athletic. They don't grow on trees. You know, how many guys has Oklahoma had that's like that? Not very many. So yeah, it's, it's probably a lot bigger than, uh, you know, his timing is probably poor timing, honestly, doing it when the season has started because every OU fan is focused on SMU. Yeah. It's, but I understand why he was doing it this way. And, you know, for sure. it's, and he says, and when I talked to him, um, Caleb, he also said that he was probably going to enroll early, which I think is a great move for him because OU, you know, could be in the need of defensive linemen next fall. And if he can get on campus early, working out with Schmitty and working out with the D-line coaches, I think that's a, that's an excellent chance. He could be someone who contributes fall of 24, uh, depending upon what OU has returning. And that's kind of, you know, we have, we have so many, we have so many senior type defensive linemen and some of who have another year of eligibility. So it's kind of hard to know what exactly that roster is going to look like um, fall of 24. It's going to shake out a little bit. So that's the positive news we think is coming. And again, you know, as things get tighter and tighter in the recruiting class, some decisions are going to go against OU. And I hope none of this is a surprise to anybody because uh, I thought we were pretty blunt on the last episode. But Braden Platt chose Oregon. Um, we're disappointed about it. Yeah, but it was obvious that was that's what he was going to do. It was a couple of weeks ago. He must, I think, he obviously told the Oregon staff and the OU staff because uh, it's it's been clear that's where he's going. So the the one confusing thing uh, I think for some folks would be Caleb is that there's there's no other linebackers in play. It's just James Nesta who's verbaled, and there's no new offers going out. At least no new offers that I can see, and. There's no other players they're really waiting on decisions for. So do you, based upon what we saw on Saturday, do you think Oklahoma has enough linebacker depth on campus to, to only bring in one guy this one guy for 24? Well, here's a wild card for you. When I, when I watch Nesta's, he has a little bit of stuff, like scrimmages and maybe the first game. Uh, Does he? Online. Yeah, and you watch him. Man, he's, he's big. When I say big, he is long. Uh, he looks like a guy that could fill that frame out and be 6'5", 250. He, you know, some sites have him. So he could be a, a rush end. end. So yeah. you think he could be a rush end? I do. I do. I think he's listed as a defensive end in some sites, and I can see why he's listed there because of he's a, he's long for days. Uh, his his so, junior highlights have some good pass rush stuff in it too, don't they? Oh, absolutely. His senior stuff, off the edge, he is uh, – you. I think he said in the interview maybe that he's really comfortable doing that, and you can see it. He's a, he closes extremely well. So I, so given that, I can absolutely see how linebacker is a is a fit all day, especially with that length in the passing game and what it would do, and then his ability as an added blitzer. He can do especially can in do three three five looks right. The three, absolutely, the, as a yeah, big I mean, Sam as a big sandbacker with a safety at safety at cheetah. And then yep. um, two regular inside linebackers, and then you've got Nesta, who you can use maybe a little bit. Um, uh, his name's gonna—I'm I'm blanking on his name—but he was—he went from um, Bama to Arkansas, just got drafted. Um, oh he was yeah, a, uh, um, he was committed to Oklahoma one time. Was he? End. Was he was uh, from yeah. Texas? Guy from Texas. I'm blanking from on his Den name. Ryan. Uh, from Dead and Ryan. From Dead and yeah. Ryan. 
Yeah. But he was the same stature, right? With like six four, six five, and played linebacker for Arkansas. Yeah, Drew Sanders. He uh Drew Sanders, yep, that's the name I'm yeah. blanking on. Yeah. So Nesta yeah. Nesta's a little bit like that athletically. I mean, you can almost imagine him being a tight end in another if another if you needed him to him to be in another kind of world, right? Got that same sort yeah. of frame. It's actually a really good comp, like the the uh the Drew Sanders, I think. Uh Ness is longer armed. Sanders is a little probably sawed off comparatively, but that's Ness. That's because Ness is extremely long limbed. Uh, but yeah, that's actually that's a really good comp. And, and you know, with the again, go back to like how the game's played. It's just guys that have that versatility that are one. They're really good football players. They find the ball. They get to it quickly. Uh, you know, playing. And you can play in lots of different places because of the, uh, how offenses are, are sort of multiple and what they want to do. But to answer your question on does Oklahoma have enough linebackers, I actually think yes, okay. uh, which is a little bit shocking because I think you could probably say well, we've been used to yeah. a, we've been used to a dearth of linebackers for about four years, right? It's like we got no yeah. linebacker depth for four years. It's like we have linebacker depth. How did that happen? Yeah, I mean, but you know, you, you look at it right, and I mean. I mean, there is a concern. I think there is a little bit of risk that a guy like Kobe McKenzie, if he doesn't jump up and get split more time, that maybe at the end of the year he looks and he says, "Hey, I want to go. I'll go play at Tech and I'll start for the next three years." So you can lose the guy. But when you look at just young guys on the roster, Kobe McKenzie's a redshirt freshman. Jaron Kanak is a sophomore. Dayson McCullough, he's a sophomore. And then when you get into the three freshmen, I think we kind of forget and then about and then yeah, I was going to say, you get into like, yeah, forget, see, Kip. And and the reviews on Kip are basically through the roof. And like the stuff we get from sources are, there's a pretty good chance that by year's end, Kip may have found a way to be a starter at linebacker in, in, in a role. And, uh, and or, Kobe is the backup in the fourth quarter, was just decking people left and right. Kobe is a backup in the fourth quarter to look like the best middle linebacker on the team. I mean, you know, honestly, like <laughs> there was things that he saw, yeah, he keyed, yeah. and he got downhill in a way that at least versus the run, Jaron doesn't. Now, Jaron, like we talked about this very... before, he makes some plays where you're like, oh, okay, like I mentioned, the, the third yeah, and yeah. two right screen, and that's his ability to run that down and not have to flatten and allow that guy to get the first down is just, that's a genetic thing. So, you know, it's all that's tossed in there. And then the other part is I really, you look at Sammy Omasigo, I, I think there's, I don't think there's any way he stays at Cheetah. He's 6'2, 225. He's going to be 230 pounds. I think he'll be a linebacker. Uh, and you got Lewis Carter. And then the odd guy there is, is Taylor Heim. Like, what does Heim, 6'6, 205, 210? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, does he grow? What does he become? Does he play cheated because he was a safety and quarterback in high school? Does he play linebacker or does he end up just adding a ton of weight? And is he a 240 pound defensive end? Uh, that's a lot. Right. And it's kind of confusing there, but I, and then that's enough, I think of just young guys. And that's to exclude because we heard really good things about Owen Heineke, you know, the transfer of lacrosse player from Ohio state. Uh, and uh, and Picotti's just going to, just going to grind, get better and better, yep. red shirt, get better and better. So it's, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's stunning that we had like two line, two, you know, two and a half healthy linebackers last year. 
and it's been a dearth of linebacker depth for forever. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, uh, Brent inherits that three linebacker class. He signs a four linebacker class and all of a sudden, and he gets a, he gets a fantastic transfer from the portal to Dasan. Connor near, right? And, uh, and Connor near who he barely mentioned. And all of a sudden we've gone from 2.5 linebackers to, I think nine guys played, right? Yeah. yeah. I think Something nine linebackers lines. played on Sunday, Saturday. And, and, and um, among, the, among the 87 pit players that played, I think nine were nine were linebackers. It's kind of crazy. And the so, wild thing is, I, I don't think any of the guys are guys where you look at them and you say, like, uh, you know, he just there's no way he'll be able to be able to play. Every one of them, again, not all of them will because it's a competition. But you look at right. all of them and you say he can. Yeah. So, in other news, I, I think we have prepared you guys for. Yesterday, Zena Amozalu, the defensive end from Allen, Texas, picked picked Texas, and I think some some somehow people were like pretending this was a shock, despite the fact his brother goes there. Um, I mean, he built up some suspense, like maybe he could choose OU, but um, I, I don't think anybody really thought that. So um, he now gives Texas, you know, credit to Texas. That's that's Zena and Colin Simmons that they have at. Uh, rush end for their scheme. That's good. That's good for their scheme. Their scheme yeah. tends to be big interior defensive tackles, and then two guys stand up rush ends in the sort of six three, two thirty five, two forty range. Um, that seems to be, and then you know, and then behind that, they seem to have the same sort of stuff as everybody else. But that's that's sort of Kotowski's. Is it Kotowski? Kotowski? I think that's right. Kotowski's kind of scheme. So good pickup for them. OU, you know, kind of. Went through the, you know, kept punching, punching, and I don't think they, I don't, they didn't do it at the expense of losing anyone else. So they kind of ran through it and see if they could make a dent. But you know, Eli Bowen seemed to be, seemed to be choosing, seemed to be, seemed to be interested in Texas, and Amosa and Zena seemed to be interested in OU. And what happened is they, they both just followed their brothers. So all right, guys, that's fine. What everybody thought they were going to do. So. As we said, there's no new offers right now. OU's, as we said, taking some hits at defensive end, linebacker, um, defensive tackle, uh, but hasn't really, there's no new offers out there right now. They're following some kids. I mentioned a couple of kids last week. One of them went ahead and committed to Missouri right after we recorded. So it's always nice to throw out information that's that's immediately right after we record. Not right. But um Nothing, nothing definite right now in terms of new names out there. So, commitment dates coming up. We're kind of we're going to talk about some names coming up that have starting to move towards some some action. But right now, there's two main names that we're kind of waiting for a date on. That's Devin Jordan, the cornerback from Tulsa Union, who's off to a good senior year, and Grant Bricks, the big offensive tackle, offensive guard from um, Logan Falls, Iowa. Um, and he's down in Nebraska and OU, and I think he just needs to see both schools one more last time, and then I think he's going to make a decision. Although uh, Coach Prime could do OU a, a, a solid this this solid on a Saturday and and uh, continue Nebraska's suffering. Um, poor Matt Rule, the way they lost that Minnesota game the the other night was sort of textbook like how to lose a how to, as you said how to snatch. Defeat from the jaws of victory uh, was just absolutely classic. So we're still waiting on those two kids. 
But that's really the that's the news that's fit to print right now in terms of OU recruiting. But uh, Caleb, if it's okay, I, I'd like to move on to some some in depth chat about some of uh, some of last weekend's visitors. Yeah, for sure. So the first name we're going to move. We're going to talk about the two two officials. It's the Daddy and Daniel show. Uh, Daniel Ekinkumi, uh, you know his his long path from London Heathrow to Hartsfield to Will Rogers Oklahoma City Airport was all documented uh, by him on Twitter. It was nice. I hope no one told him that you know he was flying into an airport by a guy who died in a plane crash. So that's all right. Um, so, and then Danny Okoye with the opposite uh, travel experience. I think he just played Friday night, woke up Saturday morning and drove uh, two hours down the Turner Turnpike. I can't believe the Turner Turnpike is now five bucks, but it just shows you how long ago I used to ride, how long, how long it's been <laughs> since, I, since I drove from Tulsa to Oklahoma City on the Turner Turnpike. I looked at the, I pulled up something and showed me the rates. I'm like, $5? Oh my God. I'm like. Chris, it's been like 25 years, you know, this minor thing called inflation and, and all that going on. So I think it's like a dollar fifty. I think it's like dollar twenty-five when I used to do it. I go to OU games when I was uh, in high school. So Caleb, it looks like OU slammed the Danny Okoye visit weekend. We got forecast predictions. He's talking about not taking visits, wrapping things up quicker. So Caleb, let's just let's just take a, a suck on the hopium real quick. All right, and uh, and if Daddy Okoye chooses OU in September, how big is that for OU if they get if if Nigel if Nigel pulls the trigger tomorrow and let's say Daniel chooses OU in the next two weeks, how how big is that? On a scale of, I mean, if you if you're able to really detail. And, and kind of want it clean, the Williams and the way they probably sting, not sting just because everyone we It's got to be close to a nine, ten to to go in and say, you know, to land. I think Jaden Jackson's underrated. He will be a four star, right? But you'd be looking at landing three. I think he's. I think he's a top one fifty. If you if you're giving me the ability to say. Where should Jaden Jackson be ranked nationally? I would say he's a top 150 player in the nation. Yeah. I mean, I guess you're right. So he is a four-star in rivals. I don't know if he's top 150, but he, he – He's in the top 200. He's in the top 200. Yeah. yeah. So, but you, what you'd be doing there is with, with Stone, with Danny Okoye, and with Nigel Smith, you'd be landing three players right there that are top 100 players in the country – along the defensive line. One of them being top 10. I think Danny, by years in, and all this stuff works it out, will probably be top 75. And with Nigel, you've got another top 100 kid. I, I can't think of any time Oklahoma has done that. You know, even going back to, you know, Adrian Taylor was a three-star kid, Austin English. You know, Oklahoma did a great job under Brent uh, of developing guys, right? He demands a lot. It's a bit of a meat grinder. They're going to drop you in it. You're going to get good. They're going to recruit over your head. Uh, so to, to be able to pull that off, and that's a nine and a half, nine out of 10 in my, in my mind, because with that, you're also adding, you know, Wyatt Gilmore and Jaden Jackson to that really defensive line class. So, you know, I, it, you know, I'm probably, I believe I am, the, if I'm not the president, I am, you know, 
interim or IMVP of the, the Danny Okoye fan club. Because I really do think he's got just, you know, loads and loads of ability as as an edge rusher uh, in whatever well, scheme you want to run. Let's be let's be clear. Our, our internal sources say that OU considers Okoye to be at the same level as McKinley, uh, Winnery, and David Stone, right? They think he's he's that good, he's that important, um, and that he's really just he's really that. He, I mean, you know, he's that good a player. I mean, this is the horrifying horrifying thing for you, uh, Caleb. So I just went and I took a hunch and I looked back. So the class ahead of it that would be ranked that would be ahead of it in terms of rankings would be Jalen Redmond. Ron Tatum and and Michael Thompson. <laughs> now, Sooner fans, you would be you would be understandable if you were if you in your head you were you were asking yourself who the hell is Ron Tatum and Michael Thompson because they never played a snap for OU. One of them never made it out of. I think he enrolled early. Never made it to. Never made it to the summer session. I think. No, they both. So, uh, Ron, he suited up his freshman year. And Did he? he? Yeah, because there was a okay, picture of him right, on the field. Right. He quit at some point. I don't remember when. Uh, or, yeah, walked away, whatever happened there. And then Mike Thompson, you know, he he played some defensive tackle and they kicked him to offensive line. Uh, never worked out. And I think, gosh, I think maybe five years or something like after he signed at Oklahoma, I remember seeing on social media he was going to give things another shot. Uh, you know, the thing is with that class, the only guy that you'd pop the tape on and say, really good player, he deserves that ranking, was Jalen Redmond. And, uh, you know, and even Jaylen, then, even, but Ronnie Perkins is also in that class. That's okay, four, so yeah, four, that's, that's four. four guys. So that, I think Ronnie's the best. Ronnie's the best of the four yeah. easily. And, yeah. um, and if Ronnie doesn't have that stupid, uh, pot suspension in 2020. I mean, I I think oh you might be might have been in the playoffs. Um, yeah, yeah. With him and Steve, with him and Stevenson, those two from game from right off the right off the bat. I'm not sure OU drops those early two games to Iowa to uh, Iowa State and K State. Um, but but you know, not even looking at that, and this is not revisionist in any way, shape, or form. In the moment, you would say Ronnie and Jalen are going to be. You know, they have a a high floor, right? Or yeah. a low flow for whatever you want to say they're right there. Yeah. The odds that they're going to be players really good. Ron Tatum, Mike Thompson. So Thompson, remember he tore his ACL. Yeah. He was a kid that was like, everybody loved him as a sophomore, or as a freshman. He's like, Oh, what's he going to be? Tore his ACL. And I don't know how much he loved playing the game. Got and out of Ron, shape. Got out of bad, got about a shape badly. Shape. Yeah. And then Ron, I don't think he ever, he loves, I don't, I don't think he ever liked playing football to begin with. And so, you know, he, didn't want to play at OU, left OU, I think bounced around junior college and then was done and has never played. But he had tons of ability, but everybody in the world knew like boom, motor, boost. motor, yeah, drive, yeah. make just those sort of makeup, makeup pieces just weren't weren't there. So that's so that's the kind of funny thing. So Okoye, again, it's he says he's coming out with a top three. I'd have to think that's gonna be some combination of OU, Tennessee, Texas, LSU. Hoping I don't see Bama on that list. That's kind of what I'm hoping. Uh, but I do think everything's trending towards perhaps a decision from him in the month of September. Uh, our favorite United United Kingdom England based uh, offensive tackle, 
um, or at least our favorite six foot five, three hundred and ten pound sub sub five oh forty uh, English offensive tackle, the number one player in the country, his at least his country. Um, so to steal a line from another podcast, but um, somebody said somebody said that he's listed as like the forty fourth tackle, and in his country, and because they they haven't they haven't they haven't made you know he's like you know. So they in the nation in the nation forty fourth in the nation, and it's obviously like the U.S. Because somebody's like somebody's like there are forty three tackles in England better than Daniel Aiken Kumi. What is that like an aff- aff- offensive line explosion in uh, in London and in the UK? I'm like, yeah, funny, very funny. So, um, so he had a great visit. Again, uh, everything's pointing towards probably an OU verbal. He was going to take a bunch of visits, but I think he's back in England. He's going to focus on his season, and he's going to announce on 10-12 and then on a big sort of YouTuber media event because uh, it's kind of a big deal. This is – I think this might be this might be the first um, sort of English-born – because Daniel is from England. He's born in England. His mom's was born in England. His parent, grandparents emigrated from Nigeria. So he's like the first, I think, English-born sort of like big recruit. So he's getting kind of some press in England and kind of becoming a bigger deal. So he's kind of becoming a bigger story, I think, in England because he's getting a lot of publicity. And for those that don't know, he's also been invited to the Under Armour game in Orlando. So I think the first time they've ever invited a international player, not someone who's at an American prep school like the – like Elias Lindstrom, the big offensive tackle from uh, who signed with Alabama last year, he was, I think, at Avon, and Avon as uh, this uh, oh. prep Connecticut is a prep school in, in Avon, Connecticut, where I think Benedict Numa is. A bunch of guys come out of that every year, so he's the I think he'll be the first international prospect. So ten, twelve, you know, we may have a uh, we may have a a live streaming event from England that we're watching. So that would be a, a first for me in recruiting and kind of a kind of a fun story. But but it looks like, Caleb, the rest of the world, because, you know, uh, Daniel does a good job advertising his workouts and all the thing he's doing and trying to get in shape. It's obvious the rest of college football has realized, that, OK, he's not some, you know, super, super project that might not pan out. He's he's a serious, big fluid athlete if you can get him into your system and he's able to adapt uh you 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 potentially have a you know a you know third round type offensive tackle possibility maybe even higher than that kind of ceiling guy it's it's funny how this has blown up in the last six weeks since i first brought him up to you so many of the physical boxes, six five, three hundred pounds. You see the pictures from this past weekend. It's a really well Smitty doesn't have to do I mean, he will. I mean Smitty's just gonna huge wingspan, huge yeah, wingspan. It's like just eighty one, eighty yeah. plus inches. Uh, he's he, he's just got tons and tons of ability. Uh, you know, I'd be I'd be interested to see, you know, see guard or tackle. I think he probably played both, got the wingspan to do so. Yeah, you can see him like running his 40 and just moving in general. He's got really good body control, which to me is like this thing. It's like I always talk about with the running backs, like 
balance and the ability to run through trash is something that people don't really look at the way they think they should. I think it's similar to offensive linemen. You know, I want to and, see and guys that are, to see an open lane, right? And vision yeah, to yeah, see an vision. open lane. Yeah. Uh, that's the that's big been one. a topic lately, a little bit of a, on our, if you've been on our site, you know, the running back, uh, the running back debate after the, after the Arky state game has been, a, it's been a little interesting. So yeah, it's just, it's crazy how, how good he looked, you know I mean? It just, it's, uh, it's just, there's a cute photo of him and his mom uh, on Owen Field, and he's all in his OU gear. And she may be, she may be, it's like five one, five two. It's like, you know, it's his mom is just this, uh, just this tiny, this tiny little mom, and it's just this monstrous, his monstrous son. It's not that you know we've seen photos like that a lot. You know, when you when you look in recruiting, sometimes you'll, sometimes you're just like looking at mom and dad, and you're like, where where you know sometimes. It's like, you know, you look at Cade McIntyre's dad and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, we see where we see where Cade's getting we see where Cade's getting it from. But every once in a while you'll see like, you know, the parents are just, you know, they're just regular people. And all of a sudden then they've got this sort of monstrous, you know, they got this sort of monstrous uh, football prospect kid. So it's kind of it's kind of a cute photo. So that was the official visitors. And then Caleb, oh, you got an unofficial, another unofficial visit from Terry Bus Bussy. We talked about it last week. He's probably going to A&M, but I got to tell you, after watching the wide receivers on Saturday and how good they looked, if you if you told me that Emmett Jones has his heart set on getting Terry Bussey, I'm, I'm probably not going to tell you he can't accomplish that. Because after Saturday and after the recruiting he's been doing in 24 and 25, I'm, I'm not and – and then if you watch the OU DNA piece that fell on Wednesday – had a nice feature on Emmett Jones. I'm not sure that guy can't accomplish anything. So I'm not prepared to say he can't get Terry Bussey because he found he found Jaden Gibson's hands. So I think he's he's capable of miracles. So if OU was to get Bussey, would you play him at corner, or would you would you even think about that, or would you just say it's wide receiver all day long? Probably playing a wide receiver. Just uh, you know, I have a friend that swears that oh, you made a mistake not putting, not putting the ball in Reggie. You know, remember Reggie Smith, the yeah. defensive ta- defensive back from Oklahoma City area. Yeah. They said that he should have been a wide receiver. That in high school he was the ball in his hands. He was unbelievably dominant. That he would have been yeah, that much better. He that also, much better. I think that he much led, better at wide receiver. I'm like, all I right, think okay. He, I think but, he led the state of Oklahoma in interceptions all four years of high school. I yeah. Can recall. Okay. I think I was. Right. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. So I mean, he was as a defensive back. He was absolutely dominant. He was just a great, you know, great, great football players are, are going to dominate on both sides of the ball. Uh, yeah. So you I think did. you'd stick with wide receiver for Terry Bussey if somehow, again, Emmett Jones should not be able to pull this off, right? We've got five wide receivers. Everyone's picking LSU and A and M, but again, like I said, you, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with with the rest of the games this season, but. You know that that wide receiver, that wide receiver room, and their performance on Saturday was was revelatory for me. I was like, "Whoa, okay, Emmett Jones." You know, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm buying everything Emmett Jones is selling. Yeah, if I was a recruit, I would be buying. I'd be buying everything Emmett Jones is is, is saying too. I wouldn't put anything past his ability. 
sometimes things are just a perfect match. I think the, the longer we get, this is how I view Brent as a coach and him building the program. It's a little bit, it's like compounding interest with an investment or it is maybe another good example is relate to sports, right? It's, it's, it's your golf drive. You know, for every millimeter, your club head is, you know, off, like the further the ball goes, the more the, it gets off flight path. Well, it's the same thing, I think, inverse between Riley and Venables. You know, Riley inherited a program chock full of guys that Bob had recruited. Mike had recruited because we can say a lot of things about Mike, but Mike recruited football players on the defensive side of the ball. Like, you know, he, like Ronnie Perkins, uh, 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 Brian Osimo, and these guys were Mike Stoops guys. Right. He recruited them. Just good football players. You know, but the further you got away from that, it was again, it's like, you know, the further we got away from that, the farther we started veering off course. And I think with with Brent, the longer this goes, there's going to be some like this, you know, because Clemson had a lot where I'd say a lot later on in Dabo's time where these kids were, hey, he's going to go here or there and he'd go on a trip to Clemson and then boom, this, this high end four star, this five star kid, big time recruit commits. And he just fell in love with it. It was like, this just fits. And everybody was like, ah, oh, Clemson's doing something illegal. Right. Cause the, yeah, well. was, yeah. And they, and they may have been, you know, there might've been a couple, there may have been a cul-de-sac there where, you know, every kid that committed that was from out of a certain area, their family got a house. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, I know it was a rumor, but you know, I think it's going to be similar with, with Brent in Oklahoma, especially with a guy like Emmett Jones, where, you know, you're going to have it where a kid like Terry Bussey, and I'm not saying this is going to be the case with him, but. And maybe it's not this year. Maybe it's next year. Yeah. It's like all of a sudden you'll be like, how did you get that guy? They shouldn't have got that guy. Well, yeah. that's mm-hmm. just, you're seeing the cumulative effect of, of, of some of those things. So it all just adds up. So, you know, I would play him at receiver for the, Reality that we talked about this, I think, last week with how good of a game Ivan Carrion had. But then you look at Ivan and you're like, he is legitimate six six, and he's over two hundred pounds. And so, you know, the potential that he grows into what really might be simply like a flex tight end. You know, right. Mark. You know, Mark Andrews at Oklahoma did not line up in line very much. It was mostly yeah, split. Like and a double double looks with him and Mitchell just. Yeah, as matchup nightmares stuff for defenses, right? Exactly. Just, he's he's a you know, move tight end. You you're just yeah, move tight end. We're going to put all over uh, and you know. And Emmett Emmett and Emmett T Emmett apparently has our wide receivers blocking on the perimeter again. So you have carry on at two thirty out on the perimeter blocking for Petaway or maybe a Terry Bussey on a wide you know some of those wide receiver short passing game, and all yeah. of a sudden you know carry on's putting someone on his ass. Bussey's gone. You know, I was going to say another thing is, again, where the game has just has evolved is, you know, 20 years ago, your tight ends were going to block. If the team was a three down. It was a guy like Marcus Spears, like, you know, Lance Donnelly at Oklahoma, they played LSU. He was blocking Marcus Spears. You know, outside linebackers like a Brady James at 6'4", 255. Those are the guys he's got to block. Not today. Right today, you outside linebackers are going to be a Colin Simmons that's going to be six foot two and two hundred thirty five pounds, you know. And your defensive ends, are, you just you're not going to line up. It's it's just right. changed. So he's going to be blocking more athletes in space. So, uh, I mean, how, I don't know how you turn how you tell Terry Bussey, hey, you want to play wide receiver? No, 
we're going to play you at corner. I think you tell him, look, you're a good enough player. We're going to put you in a place. That this is we, we think you can be a star here. This is where we're going to play you. Yeah. So two other names that were in town. Uh, Michael Boganowski was in town. That seems to be a KU, sorry, KSU OU death match. I, I don't know how that stalemate gets broken. And if it does, and if another school tries to come in, there's been some rumors going around of an FSU visit. I'm not quite sure where that connection would be. But that that's still floating around. Michael just needs to set a date. Otherwise, it's just, it's, it's just, it's deadlocked. It's, it's in a deadlock. And then, uh, as we mentioned earlier last week, uh, Caleb, Nate Roberts is back on campus. I, I swear that kid looks bigger every time I see him in a photo, but maybe I'm just, I'm, my eyes are deceiving me because he looked huge next to Brent. Got a photo with Brent over the weekend and he looks, Brent. you, you tell me he's 6'5, 230. I'd be like, yeah, sure, no problem. And if you, and, and, as we've mentioned on our pod, we're not no no pod no pod liked high school highlights to talk about this week because we're going to save that aggregate and save that for next week. But you know, just say, Davin Mitchell posted some more ridiculous highlights recently. Uh, again, um, so Nate Roberts and and Davin Mitchell, J, Joe John Finley goes from like you know goat not in the good you know goat headed tight end recruiting coach not in the good connotation. To maybe the other connotation, um, you know, because uh, Nate Nate Roberts looks like he is barreling towards an OU commitment, and that would be at back to back Davin Mitchell and Nate Roberts. That's you are you are cooking with some serious tight end talent fuel right there. So the last thing I want to talk about because he's a fascinating fascinating prospect is Caleb, two thousand and twenty six. Yes, two thousand and twenty six. Offensive tackle Jackson Cantwell was back on campus. This is his third visit to OU. Loves OU. There are 2026 rankings that have him as a top 10 player in the nation. Uh, guys, I, I don't know what to do with the 2026 top 10 national list, other than say, good good luck with that. But the photos of the kid on campus, Caleb, are ridiculous for a 15, 16 year old. He's massive. And then there's been some photos of him with his family. And you had mentioned it off the cuff, and I kind of like, I kind of ignored it because we didn't talk about some of the stuff last week. Then I looked it back up. His parents, you were right, they're both Olympian shot putters, not just his dad, his mom too. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we're talking like a great, and, he, and he's a shot put discus guy in high school, and he's, He's he's got good numbers there too as like a 15 um, 16 year old. He uh, he broke his represented the United States in the Olympics and here his son is and his, his mom represented the represented the US at the Sydney games. Yeah, uh, he he's uh, <laughs> He's going to be a special track athlete, uh, but he looks the same as, as, as an offensive tackle. He looks, get it? He's so he'd be a sophomore in high school right now. Yeah, going yeah, to so sophomore he's season. Sixteen. Yeah, if I mean, he could reclassify as a junior and and be and be uh, and come out in twenty five class. And I think, just given again, like his size, his feet, his athletic ability, all those things. 
he's a, I don't care if somebody has in the top five or top 10, like the potential is elite potential. And I kind of always, again, I look at offensive linemen, you know, I look at, I look at them coming up, not moving backwards. Like let's look at, you know, what are your skill set, your ability? What are you going to grow into and be in two years when you've got to play? Not, you know, oh, and he's just bigger he's, than everybody in bowling. He's, he's huge. He's got like no bad weight on him. And he's probably about 280 right now, 290. It's- you just know that like he's the kid that I say this. I was going to say when he shows up for track events, because I'm sure he does USAA stuff, when he shows up for that, uh, other parents are saying, all right, I want to see a birth certificate. But then you look at his dad, and you're like, nah, I believe it. Yeah, I mean, he just, I mean, there's, there's photos of him in Norman. I mean, if you're on our website, you've seen them. We, our good good guy, Sap Town Sooner, has posted them in our in our various threads tracking this. He, he just looks like a huge, lean athlete. And he just, it's like, how is a guy that young, that big? And again, you're not throwing, you're not doing these track these track sports without serious strength, right? I mean, right? I mean, that's... I mean, his, his dad, I realize his dad took silver at the Beijing Olympics in shot. Yeah, so that's... <laughs> and remember, that's versus like every Icelandic strong guy who plays the mountain on Game of Thrones is like throwing shot in European track, right? I mean, it's like every every bulked up steroid Bulgarian, you know, I mean, you know, all these guys, sorry guys, I used to, used to watch that when I got, used to do tech support at night, I get off at 2am in the morning. The only thing ESPN had on TV was the world's strongest man, the world's strongest man competition. And it was always, you know, it was exactly, it was this, this, these Icelandic, Norwegian, Scandinavian guys that'd be some. Spujanowski, he was Polish. Yeah. They'd be just these massive Eastern European dudes you know, throwing the, you know, putting two kegs and throwing them over, you know, kegs full of beer, throwing them over like a, uh, like a nine foot bar or some crazy. I used to watch this as a kid. I could <laughs> off a bunch of the winners and names for it. There you go. So, so let's just say that's, that's who Cantwell's dad was competing against, right? Good All goodness. of those guys. And he was a silver medalist and his son, I mean, he could, he could end up being, a Caden Proctor kind of offensive line guy in two years. I mean, he really could. I've watched his footage. He's a really good young athlete. It's it's 26, but guys, he really likes OU. He really likes Coach Biedenbaugh. And OU might have, this is ridiculous. If you ask me who our first 26 commit could be, I think it would be, I think it could be Jackson Cantwell. So, all right. He, so enough. So, sorry, go ahead. Watching him leading stuff like he seems like one of those guys that it might be we were talking about right like just how bill does things but how brent runs his program i think it could be one of these deals where this is perfect for what you know his you know yeah, culture it's a fit. personality it's a fit. It's a and, fit. I, and i would be willing to bet i don't know i could be wrong here it wouldn't shock me if mom and dad didn't move to wherever he goes and continue to basically coach him i'm sure i know oklahoma has good track coaches for the throwing events because they have some guys ranked but i mean it's hard like mom and dad are olympians i thought you i thought you were like kidding with the mom thing like all right like like, i know you love i know you love track stuff so i thought you were kidding i'm like okay he's gonna be kidding on the jack on the mom thing like no mom is also an olympic shot putter i'm like that is That's stupid. That's that's crazy. So 
All right, so this weekend is nowhere near as much traffic. Um, poor Josh Iasosa has to commit early, so he's not in, so he so he, so he's not like his commit isn't buried by the Williams Maneri story. And now he's coming in on the less ballyhooed weekend for his official visit. But we like Josh. We think the world of Josh. And Santa Fe's off to a good year. Their running back is off to a great year. And I think Josh is a big reason why on the offensive line. So Josh Iasosa, the Santa Fe um, offensive guards coming in. He was actually in last weekend unofficially and uh, and with his uh, teammate, uh, Bergen Kaiser. And he, he looks really good next to Bergen Kaiser. Next to Iasosa, he looked a little taller. And, and actually, next to Danny Okoye, Bergen Seisser, Kaiser looked like a really good prospect. I was yep. a little shocked. I was a little shocked, like, okay, he is that big. He is that long. So um, no uncommitted 24 targets are coming in that I know of. Uh, Danny Okoye, I, I think, could make a return visit. I think it depends upon his schedule. He got hurt in his game Friday night, um, got banged on his shoulder. So I'm not sure if he's playing on Saturday. Or not? If he's not, I think he may show up in in uh, in Norman. I think some North Dallas kids will probably show up on the twenty five side of things. Maybe some offensive linemen, uh, maybe some other twenty five kids. But the big kid, I think, coming in. I don't think a commitment's possible, but it, it's not out of the realm of possibility. So Caleb Christian Thatcher, the linebacker from Vegas, is coming in again for his. I think his third visit to Norman uh, this uh, this spring uh, since this spring. And uh, he's 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 moving up on the charts. He's a solid top 200, top 150 linebacker kid. The last time he was in Norman, he looked 6'3 easy. He looked like he had a big frame to put on weight. Uh, I really I I saw his footage. I haven't looked at this. I haven't looked at any junior stuff yet. But if he's if he could be 6'3 220, 225 at the time he enrolls, and if he chose the OU. I think he's a serious linebacker prospect for OU. And Marcus, maybe Marcus James at linebacker too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Big believer in a back kid and his teammate plays somewhat listed as a tight end. Trinay, Trinay Washington. Washington, which I think you know, he plays corner, picking the cheetah. Yep, and then also OU's got uh, Matai uh, Matai Tagio, who's moved to California, who still likes OU. Heavily, he's six four one ninety five, I think now, um, running like a four or five. That screams future will linebacker cheated to me. Then you got Riley Pettijohn, who's a linebacker from Texas, uh, who uh, plays for McKinney, uh, along with uh, Phil Sami and uh, a couple of those other guys on the McKinney defense. So that's OU's got linebacker targets, so you could easily. Put together a four or five, you know, three, four linebacker class in 25. I think Thatcher, though, at Mike, he just, I mean, he just screams Brent type player. He's just so physical, so instinctive, you know, for a high school sophomore. It's, it's, and he's, and he's, you know, he's obviously clicked with Brent and he's back on campus again. So we'd mentioned 25 was on a hot string. We mentioned Nate Roberts, Christian Thatcher, Marcus James. 
C.J. Nixon, all of these names are, they're in Norman a lot, and Kevin Sperry is is pipe pipering this quite a bit. So it's... Uh, You're looking at you're you're six foot four, maybe six three, two oh five, two ten in high school and you're playing corner. Uh I don't see I don't know that six four two ten is gonna grow into a tight end, but it sounds like it could grow into a you know six four two twenty five, you know, a cheetah linebacker. And he's making a lot of big plays on defense and offense. We'll see how that thing goes. Oh, you could say, you know, if, if we're Trinae Washington, oh, you could just say, you know, athlete, we'll bring you in and we'll find a place to play you, right? We'll figure yeah. it out. We, you, those kind of body types you just bring in, right? You're 6'3", 205 pounds, and you're on a 4'5", 40. We'll get you on campus. We'll let Schmitty work on you for a year, and then we'll figure out what the hell we're doing with you. Absolutely. So, something along those lines. So. Uh, Caleb, I thought we'd do something a little fun to end. You and I, big college football fans, we watch a lot of college football, talk about it a lot in our admin chat. So it's a recruiting, it's a recruiting podcast. So we're kind of we, we try to stay within the confines of recruiting for this. But so I've got a kind of a topic that combines both of our interests here. So it's the we're gonna do the official recruiting meltdown panic number for programs around the country and. We're going to give you a number out from one to 10. And then we're also going to tell you, based upon what we think is going on, who would we be uh, if we were if we were tampering uh, from a from a portal standpoint, who might we be sliding a note to their trainer, friend, best friends, cousins, sisters, brother to say, you know, hey, pick up the phone. Norman is interested or from their recruiting class. Who might you be saying, you know, you might want to you might want to take a visit to OU just to see how things are going. You've got extra visits to use. There's no limit. I know you already use five already, but you got more you can use. Come, come on down to Norman and just come look at a game. So we'll start with the most interesting program just because of the connections with the OU program through Brent. So. Caleb, how high is your Clemson panic number? Honestly, I don't give it a three. And I know we're completely polar opposite to three. Okay, polar opposite. Okay, particularly on social media, that is one to have thing to say it's over. Lots of things. Do just. And I think this is a reality, right? When you look back, this is maybe the best way to say, scroll back to 2019, circa Clemson, or even 2021, and watch them play defense with Brent and watch how they fly around, what they do. Then roll back to Oklahoma, 2011-ish, watch that Oklahoma-Florida State game in Tallahassee and watch Oklahoma's defense run around and thump on people. And now they give up plays, but playing, you know, top five team. And there is some validity, I think, to saying this is a different program when you've got, you know, the balance of who Dabo is with the balance of who Brent is. The grinder demanding we're going to be this way. And, you know, uh, so maybe there's more of it. But everyone's going to this. They've lost three out of four. Uh, 
I mean, they've won the ACC championship. They lost the bowl game to Tennessee. And they had, you know, quarterback. It's the, People love that because, you know, they just love to take numbers and manipulate them. I don't agree with him in that there's no concern, but they also did outgame uh, Duke in every area. They more yards passing, more yards rushing. They just murder themselves with turnovers. Uh, and the other part is I just think that the Dabo, he does such a unique job of building like a culture thing. I don't see them fraying in terms of their class falling apart. As where I think some of these other groups, like future like Florida, where it's built a lot on NIL, right? And it's built on like, oh, we're gonna get boosters, we're gonna pump some money in here, we've got to get this thing turned around. I think that has the potential to fray more than just how how Dabo goes around it uh, from a recruiting standpoint. All right, so I'm giving you it's a three, so I'm giving you one guy from the recruiting class or the roster you could pull off and uh, have a conversation with and say, you would look very good in crimson versus purple and orange. Who's the guy? Go get get Brian Westcott. Oklahoma's got receivers coming out their ears, particularly with Emma Jones. Go get Peter Woods off of that Clemson roster. He's a true freshman, five-star defensive tackle. You go to him and you say, look – you're a Georgia kid. You chose Clemson because of what Todd Bates did and what Brent Venables did with the Clemson defense. That's why you chose Clemson. It's because you wanted to play for Brent Venables' Clemson defense. Go play for Brent Venables' defense. That, that's, that's a Norman. That's a Norman. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go with a six just because I'm very concerned about Klubnik. Yeah. And if he's not the answer at quarterback, then you go into true freshman Chris Vizzini, who – was a good good high school quarterback, but he wasn't quite in that upper tier group from last year. And I'm very I, I'm trying I'm trying to figure out why Garrett Riley, Texas spread, Clubnick, Mister Mister High School Texas spread, why that's not why that didn't click in, from the beginning. So that's my that's that's my worry there. So I would say same thing you said D line, but I'm going to go with Vic Burnley, the Burley the the six foot five, two hundred eighty pound defensive end, defensive tackle they got last year. Okay, same same as you. So, all right, let's move to Florida. You already kind of mentioned them, so give me a number, and then tell me who you might want to steal and who where you would want to steal them from. Ten. My, my concern would be ten. They uh, they went out against Utah, and they. I mean, you think about this, right? That was a Utah team that was missing their starting quarterback, missing starting linebacker, and then their best defensive lineman. And and it was their backups. Their backups beat the tar out of Florida. And then, at, you know, they were up, what, 17 or 21 points, and they just started basically setting on the ball, trying not to uh, not score. To score. Well, not to turn the ball over, right? Right, like, right, hey, right. Let's just burn the clock. Uh, I'll try to turn it over. And the flip side of that is when you look at Florida's schedule, all the analytics coming in the front end it's of the a, season. It's a beast. They had the, the they were ranked as having the most difficult schedule. So when you look at it, the only games you come away saying, like, they're going to beat McNeese, right? They'll beat Charlotte. And let's say they do beat Vanderbilt. I'm 
It's not a given, but I'm going to say they, let's say they beat Vanderbilt. So you're telling me they're going to win three games off a team that last year, what, they won five or six and got motored by folks? Uh, yeah, that would be like a 10 for me uh, because there's just a lot of – you add in what happened with Jaden Rashada signing his letter. His, uh, and then um, the other Florida guy suing. Yes. The, the Bears guy. That thing's a nightmare too. Yeah. You got a former defensive tackle, uh, Dexter, is it Gervin? It's suing, yeah. suing yeah. their NIL. And you've probably got a quiet lawsuit going on with Jaden Rashada's group suing yeah, because they signed yeah. an agreement for their NIL and he had to bolt. Uh, but I would immediately, so I, I would turn to, you know, their recruiting class. And, uh, you know, I'd probably go a guy we talked quite a bit about in early on in the year, and it's uh, Xavier Filsami, uh, the safety. I think it's kind of what he's, you know, one of the yeah. top players in the country. Big safety out of McKinney. Yeah, so you know, don't you don't have to go to Florida? Just go up the road to Norman, get take care of things. We'll we'll you know, if it's old NIL, we don't we're we're not NIL starved either. See, so, that's the thing where that that deal could fall apart is if you're building it on NIL, and now you've given everybody ammunition to go, hey, look, the two big IEL deals they've, they've signed, right? Target lawsuits. Yeah. Have you got a lawyer? Do you have a good lawyer? Do you have a really good lawyer? Because apparently right. you need to check every I and T and every subclause in there. So so I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna spinal tap you and say if I'm a Florida fan, my panic number is going all the way to eleven. And it goes to eleven. Goes to eleven. They look like crap against Utah. I mean yeah. Slow, unathletic, not very physical, undisciplined. I mean, the two most undisciplined units in college football over the week, over the, the first the first big week were Florida's offensive line and Arkansas State's special team, uh, Arkansas State's punt block, sorry, PAT block unit, who got three offside penalties on extra points, which I think is an NCAA record for a game. I mean, I mean, they looked like they looked like San Jose State. They didn't look like I might actually beat San Jose State. May actually have more speed and playmakers. I thought San Jose State looked better. <laughs> I mean, it's like this is, this is this is Florida. This is the number one speed talent resource in the country that everyone goes for speed and athleticism. You even had Kirk Herbstreit commenting like first quarter. He was like, "Gosh, Florida looks big, but they are not twitchy and they are slow." And they look terrible. Yeah. And they look, and it's not like, so yeah. I mean, so you've got, so I'm at eleven. Uh, you've got Phil Sami. I'll let you have him. There's a guy, L.J. McRae, who Florida is apparently trying to convince to join. He's a big, six six, two hundred and sixty pound defensive end, top hundred hundred guy in the nation. Really good looking guy, just like Nigel Smith, another guy who could grow into a defensive tackle or stay at defensive end. You can't have enough of those guys ever. So I'd go L.J. McRae. All right, LSU, also another team that had a bad first weekend, and I didn't see that. I didn't see that result coming at all. I'll be honest. But you and you and I, does Keon Coleman pay you money under the table beforehand? I don't, you know, again, there's just certain guys when you watch them and you watch them move. You're like, ah, that guy's a player. We may have remember- to. I'm mean, gonna I mean, have to start keeping track of your misses because. Right now you're like you know running laps on the Keon Coleman first weekend because you you mentioned him the last three weeks on our podcast then and then he he Randy Mossed 
LSU. I mean, it's like, you know, I remember Randy, you remember, I mean, I remember Randy sort of like at Marshall, it was just like no one could cover him or tackle him. And he was just like, hurtling guys down, literally hurtling yeah, yeah. him like, yeah, full. Yeah, full it's, just, it's a little bit like that or Calvin Johnson from Tech. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, okay, LSU, I mean, I just heard, well, I was listening to, listening to Sirius XM and they were saying that, you know, that maybe LSU had picked up some, picked up guys who just aren't SEC ready. They went a little lower on the tier that they have in South Carolina, went a little lower on the tier on the guys they were bringing in. And then, you know, they were saying that one guy was from Yale and one guy was from somewhere else. And it's, I think, you know, that's obviously a nice, that's an easy picking, picking spot. And of course, when I'm thinking about OU and I'm like, well, we got a Stanford offensive lineman. That's, that's a good move. Wake Forest defensive end, Okie State defensive end, when from, coming from their best defense of the last 15 years. Um, you know, Connor Near, okay, yeah, maybe, but Reggie Pearson, you know, just played well, you know, playing big, big we saw him playing Big 12 football, and we know Desan McCullough, you know, he's a top 100 guy kind of high school. I mean, it's everybody wanted him. So, you know, going back to our point, going, well, I think, you know, for the most part, we, we, we didn't take that many low-end risks, but where's your panic level for LSU knowing that, you know, they have, their schedule's loaded, although they do get Florida, so, that, so it's like they have another bye week. <laughs> um, it, honestly, it, it would be probably a round six. Um, okay. Just there's multiple things in it. It's, I don't mind him. Uh, my wife hates him. Uh, just because she sees seen him in the past, like his antics on the sideline, you know, but Brian Kelly and some of his just losing his crap feelings and sideline. Captain like, Red Captain Redass is his nickname in my and among my among my brother has a nickname for me. He's Captain oh, Redass. Yeah. I mean, my wife saw him rip into a player uh, in a Notre Dame game, and she was like, "That guy is, you know, yeah, he's, he's, he's a tool. Longer. He's a tool. He's yeah. a tool." Yeah, and so. And then he's not a great fit, right? And then you've seen these clips coming out where he was like, oh, I never said we were going to kick Florida State's ass. And they're like, really? Because we got a recording of you three <laughs> weeks ago. Let me play it real quick. And it's like, we're going to go kick Florida State. So you've got this going on. And it, I mean, it's just, he's talking. The guy's just like, I don't think. He's, a, great, he probably, he's a good X's and O's coach. He yeah, is. he probably knows he's lying when he says these things, but they're like little white lies. I was like, this won't hurt anybody. That's actually, to me, a sign of like, okay, there's a problem when your local media is aggravated with you enough, but they're pulling your white lies and they're pulling the audio and playing it, you know, all over and being like, hey, ass, here, here you are, you know, making a, a red ass of yourself here. So that's a concerning piece of it. Uh, and and you, you, you talked about it, right? Like, and I said this in our group chat, it is crazy to me how, you know, because it's such a game of perception. If you beat Oklahoma or if you beat Alabama or if you beat Ohio State or whatever it is, right, if you beat Michigan, you beat one of those teams, we forget about everything else. We will not dig into the numbers. We will not look at you with a fine-tooth comb. We will just say you're great and you have all the momentum in the world. Go and they, and they, got, they, they got blown out by a bad A&M team at the end of last year. Yeah. And then, I mean, do you remember the, the Georgia game? Georgia was, it was the most vanilla thing Georgia ever did on you know, uh, on both sides of the ball and just beat them up and down the field in the SEC title game. So I think it's – and we've seen Brian Kelly have this where a team is thought to be the stud team and they fall apart. Uh, 
you know, he he's one of the only guys that's ever had this where he built up, goes to the national championship, has these good teams, and then falls off and has like a five and seven season and was able to yeah. rebuild it. So he can do it, but it would be pretty high for me. Yeah, to me, it's it's probably about the same number. The one thing that, that kind of worried me a little bit was they had no running game and their own line seemed to be really struggling. That Especially the second half. They were throwing the ball around a lot, but I kind of think of Brian Kelly as more of those Notre Dame teams that can run the ball, physical. I mean, all those offensive linemen during his run they put in the NFL. Um, you know, I'm just like, it didn't seem that physical. And then on the the secondary just looked bad. So it was it's a little bit of a panic. If I'm and I'll take the easy one ahead of you. Hey, Caden Durham, you 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 want to you, do you want to go to LSU and get your teeth kicked in by 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 FSU every year? Give him a call. Yeah. So I would say Durham. I think he. Yeah. You know, if you're looking at the roster, I would be tempted to say Harold Perkins, but you're going to get him for one year. Uh, yeah, it's going to take you a king's fortune to get him out of yeah, LSU. The too, other so. guy that I I would go so just to be. You know, just for the sake of content, to give a different one, it would be uh, Javion uh, Tavino, the, the five-star corner out of Arlington Martin, that signed there last year. And it was odd that Oklahoma didn't go after him. I think. Oh yeah, probably, yeah, 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 yeah. There's probably something weird there, just given you know how good Oklahoma is in the net in that area. And, and, and Valai, Valai seemed to have a long connection with him. It was just weird. Yeah, yeah, well, Valai. I mean knew all those guys uh he's from that area so that was odd but he he would be you know five-star corner uh big six one uh 200 you need a a fresh start you need a fresh start yeah all right do you want to do baylor or south carolina as our final school i guess to keep it keep it in the big 12 uh we'll go we'll go baylor you know south carolina it's for me it's like get the offensive line fixed because i will say this uh Ever since the, the the Netflix special where Spencer Rattler was on, you know, I just saw like, oh man, he doesn't have the character to be the guy. Uh, and then in the game against North Carolina, it was the first time I saw him. He's coming to the sideline and he wasn't mouthing at like, you know, as he's coming off, like mouthing like, uh, you would always see that, right? He was, yeah, yeah. his body language and even what was he poor. was saying was under poor. his breath, he was putting blame on other people. He did not do that at all. And he should have. He could have. He could have looked to his offensive line and put it all on them. And he was. He looked the best I've ever seen him uh, look against. You know, all things considered, how he handled himself. So, uh, you know, Baylor. Um, on the other end of that, I, they went against. So what's Texas. your number? What's your number? That's him. That's him. Okay. I mean, that, that, yeah. they were down 41-24 at one point at home. And I clicked over and was watching that. Uh, and apparently some of the, the stats came out, right? And it was uh, that the quarterback actually graded. I don't, you know, PFF's grades are, are junk. They're great for snap counts and stuff. But but they had him graded really high. It was just the offensive line around him was so bad that he looked, you know, really bad. But the thing is with Baylor, like, and I think the, the world of, of Dave Aranda, Right, but you're coming off a six and seven season last year. You just got smoked by Texas State, and you're going to play Utah this weekend. Uh, you know, and then you've got Long Island. You get a, you know, you're looking and you got Texas, UCF, Texas Tech. Like if you're as bad as you looked against Texas, do they, they get K State? They do. Yeah, at K State. 
I mean, trust me, if they are as bad as they look, there's not a game outside of the Long Island game that is you'll win this game. Right, because they, they only get three non-conference out of conference yeah. games, and you go one and two, yeah, and you start you start racking up some Big Twelve losses. That's yeah, yeah I'm with you. Um, you know, something's something's wrong with their defense. I don't. I, I don't know what it is. Last year they were not very good defensively, and he made changes again. Um, so yeah, if you're, you know, if you're Baylor, I mean, I I, I think Dave Aranda is a really good. I like a lot of what of the things he does, and he's been off to a good start. But it's 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 almost a little bit like he's hit some adversity, and he doesn't quite know. Hey, the program's hit some adversity. Last year, I think, was a big surprise. Right, they didn't expect to drop again, like, okay, I thought we'd stop this. You know, they, they dropped and they bounced and, you know, a bit of a yo-yo, um, you know, after Matt Rule left. So, yeah, I would say they're on 10. And um, and a uh, player I would steal from their roster, that's a hard – I'm not sure anybody. Their recruiting class, I'll have to go back and look at it, but it's probably the fastest, longest guy on their roster that, that they're recruiting. <laughs> so – Who's the who's got the best track times? Oh, that guy. Yeah, let's steal that guy because they're always turning those guys into somebody who's a pain in the ass yeah. for us. Now, of course, we we don't get better again on our schedule anytime soon. Yeah. Um, and if they keep playing like this, we definitely won't be getting them on our schedule anytime soon. So, so all right. So that's that's a little national. Who should be in panic mode? And if you were OU, how could you? If this panic continues, how could you use that to your advantage? Um, it's an interesting group of guys. So, everyone, this is uh, we'll be back with some more content next week. Uh, hoping we'll have we'll have the Nigel Smith commitment to talk about some more high school highlights. Uh, we'll, our other podcast will be talking about the SMU game, and our website will definitely be all over the SMU game of content. You can follow me on Twitter, as I said, cm underscore Sooners three sixty. I'll have notes and uh, keep you guys up to date on the Nigel Smith situation. If he's committing, we'll be back next week with the podcast. I'll be doing a space with uh, Barry Wise on Tuesday morning. I'll have my recruiting articles up. And if, as we really, really think Nigel Smith commits to Sooners, if you're on our website, you're going to see a very in-depth and interesting analysis on him by Caleb uh, Caleb and Barry will both do analysis on him, look at his film, really do an in-depth dive into him as a prospect, kind of information you're not getting anywhere else. So please feel free to subscribe to us to our podcast. We're getting really good podcast numbers. We appreciate everyone listening. We're on iTunes and all other platforms. So thanks, everyone. Have a great weekend, and we will talk to you about Sooner Recruiting next week.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.